I uh, introduced Jazz at the beginning. She's a dear friend. Jazz and I have known each other, I don't know, for a long time through various New Frontiers events. And uh, some of you know Jazz as well when she was younger. Um, in different ways, you've, you've known her. She's been here with us now two or three times. And it's been great to have her and just something of her, her flavor and what she brings. And I just want to welcome her. So let's welcome Jazz again. Not going to lie to you. Oh, that's a bit loud. Um, not going to lie to you, but I'm a little bit worried if anybody gets up and walks out during my talk this morning. So if you're desperate for the loo, thanks, Graham, you can go now. If you're desperate for the loo, could you just like go now? And then I won't spend the whole afternoon having a complex that I was boring. Boring is not often a word that is used with me, but maybe I am. I don't know. Um, but it's really good to be here. I kind of feel like um, this is another church that I go to. Which is kind of nice. I walked in and there were so many familiar faces. uh, And all the ones that I don't know, you're all smiling at me. So that's quite nice as well. I hope you're still smiling at me at the end of all of this. Um, And last week, as you know, I've come from Croydon which is a a fabulous town on the edge of London. Uh, I'm very much a city girl. Um, I'm very rarely at home base. Last week I was in Edenbridge, which is a really kind of small place um, in Kent. I was going to say, sorry, it's in Kent. It's very green and very, um, very beautiful. Very small, very sleepy. No, I didn't say that. And, uh, but it was great to be there at Edenbridge as well. And that, that's a church plant that's been going for a couple of years. And they had a big Sunday, and their big Sunday was 40 people. That was their big Sunday for, for two years going. And they had five visitors, and five visitors gave their lives to Jesus last Sunday. Yes! But what I love is that, you know, one week I'm at Eden Bridge, next week I'm in Isle of Wight, next week I'm actually in Croydon. Um, but it's the family, isn't it? It's the family of God. I just feel at home here, as I did in Eden Bridge when I'm out in India, and wherever I get to go, I just feel at home. And I just, it's just lovely. Just love it. So thank you so much for, for your welcome. Um, I'm also a little bit concerned as to, to where this morning's going to go, because I've been given a, a, bit of, a bit of scripture and I'm going to say that lightly to speak on this morning, because this bit of scripture isn't where it's supposed to be, but anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and also, I woke up this morning with this incredible sense of the presence of God, and I'm like, God, do you really want me to bring all of this? Because this is quite formal, what I've got here, and I can bring it, but there is something more that I sense God wants to do. And during the prayer meeting, I... Um, had a picture uh, earlier this year, the family and I went to an ice skating show. It's not something we'd normally do, but we were at an ice skating show. And, um, and I don't particularly like the cold, so an ice skating show isn't something that I really want to go and see, or I certainly don't want to get any of those sort of boot things on. They'd seem uncomfortable. And I mean, why would you put all your faith in a little bit of metal and try and, you know, go on something slippery? I don't understand that. But people obviously enjoy it. But anyway, we went to see this show and um, watched the dancers do their thing. And they were magnificent and, and fabulous. And it was a great show and I really enjoyed it. Probably not going to repeat it in a hurry, but it was a good evening. But I, I, I got into the prayer meeting this morning and Father just began to remind me of that evening. 
and reminded me of my dislike of the cold. And, uh, but when you are watching the show, you get caught up and you marvel at the, the skater's ability to do the fancy tricks and twirls and the speed at which they move. And I sensed very much for the church that actually um, that there is an ice skating rink in the middle, if you like. And you, some of you have come to watch the show. You've come to see the performance. And while you're watching the performance, you're like, oh, oh, I'd like to do that. I'd like to have a go at that. I'd like to try that costume on. I'd, I'd like to see if I could balance. And, and there's that sense of coming down the steps and finding some skates at the bottom of the steps. And you're thinking, oh, will these skates fit? And popping those on and finding, actually, they're not uncomfortable. And then getting your bearings as you stand up and you might slip inside. And as you climb around the, the wall, as it were, around the rink, trying to get your balance. But there comes that moment where suddenly, and it is a suddenly, where you find that you can skate. And you can begin to explore the, the arena. And, uh, and when I was watching that show... Uh, they, you know, the skaters were amazing and they, they'd go off and they'd change costumes and come back and do something else and you know, there was something and, and the speed at which they changed costumes and performed a whole different set of routines was amazing. It was breathtaking and captivating. And I kind of feel that for you guys that you're being invited this morning to make, you know, if you're right at the back of the spectators on the back row, you're being invited to come down. And for those of you that are already down and perhaps you've got the skates on and you're climbing around the edges, that actually you're being invited to come in. And those of you that are already coming in, you're invited actually this morning to change costume and to learn some new tricks and to learn some new dance steps and to move with speed and agility. Because when you know who you are in the things of God, you are able to do that. When you know what you have been called to, you are able to take that that Jesus gives you and exploit it. And when you function as the man or the woman that you are called to be, you bring glory to God. And it is breathtaking. And other people will be caught up in it. And you will inspire them. And those that don't yet know Jesus, you will inspire. And those that already know Jesus, you will inspire. And you will be fulfilling your your mandate of making disciples. You are called to make disciples. So anyway, I don't know where we're going to go this morning because none of that was in my notes. Um, But... What I was given to to speak on this morning, uh, oh, 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 hold on, we've got magic. What I was given to speak on this morning was this verse. I'm hoping it will work. Glyn will sort it out for me. Except it's not really a verse. It's, uh, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I understand that you've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. I understand that's a series you've been working through. Uh, And then there's this little bit at the end of the Lord's Prayer that we all get to recite and we get to say it. We probably did it at school or maybe in cubs or brownies or something, I don't know. That you, you say that prayer and right at the end you say, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Except if you go and look in Matthew, it's not actually there. So 
So those that were that, that created and crafted this wording um, got it from somewhere else. It is entirely biblical. Um, and in fact, so this little portion of the Lord's Prayer, formally, I did a bit of research for you, um, formally is called a doxology, or the doxology, which is just a fancy word for saying a word of praise. And it is just, it's, it's a word of praise. I mean, it's a pretty big word of praise. It's a huge sentence. And we're going to work that out, what that actually means. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And actually, we've been singing about it all morning. And, and all that Ashley brought in that passage was really talking very much about the kingdom. It's his, the power and the glory are all his. And we know that from the beginning of the Bible and right to the end, from Genesis through to Revelation, the whole of the Bible is about God's redeeming love and God's kindness towards us. And so when we know that it's about his love, we know that we're called deep down to praise him. This particular passage comes from, yes, um, uh, uh, can be found, well, it can be found in lots of parts in the Bible, actually, it's not just in Chronicles, but the one that I'm going to look at is in 1 Chronicles 29. David was delighting in God, so I'm just going to read that out to you. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God our Father Israel, of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. He's praising God. And if we put it into context, he's praising God because he'd invited people to contribute to the building of the temple. And they gave really, really generously. And they were able to bring their gold and their silver and their rubies and their wood or whatever and their stones and brought it all to the temple so that they could build it. That's what this is about. And David is like, wow, look at all of this. Look all that has come in. And he's so thrilled he can't help but praise God. But as you continue to read that passage, you begin to realize that he, he cottons on that, yeah, it's great that people were generous, but hold on. God gave them the stuff to be generous with. So it's just this whole full circle of, well, yes, they were generous, but they were only generous because God was generous. God was kind, they were kind, their kind God is kind. And it kind of was this big circle. And so that's why he's praising God. And actually, that's why we can praise God. We praise God because God loves us. We experience his love, so we praise him more. We experience more love, we, we, we praise him more. It's just a huge circle. And... Um, we, we get to enjoy all of that. And I'm holding intention with, with all that I've just brought there and the word that I felt God give us about the ice skating rink. At the end of my talk, and I'm going to give you a heads up, I'm going to give you a bit of a, a warning, there will be the opportunity to respond. Yes. I think we need to respond. Respond to all that, that, you know, that we sung about this morning, all that was prophesied this morning. We actually need to respond to that. But for some of you, that response will be for the very first time. I have no doubt. And I'm going to lead you through that. And the response is going to be like this. We are going to pray together. And I'm going to pray with you. And at the end of that, we're going to take communion together. And that will be a sign between you and God that you are responding. But I will explain all of that. This part that we're looking at today is about the kingdom belonging to God. 
I'm trusting that you know that the kingdom is, is simply God's rule and God's reign, which is fully here now and fully yet to come. It's what I like to call the overlap, which sounds a little bit bizarre. So we know that, so let me try and explain, we know that Christ has already purchased our healing. Yep. Except we still groan with sickness. And I hear a few of you groaned with sickness this week. Um, we know that we have passed from death to life. That moment when you gave your life to Jesus, you passed from death to life. But we will still die. We already know that we have this incredible work of the Holy Spirit making us holy, making us pure, and he set us apart. And yet, I know that you've learned in a, that, 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 you know, that you have to still fight between flesh and flesh and spirit, that fight still goes on every single day. We know that we've been forgiven entirely of all of our sin because of the work of Jesus. And yet you've been reading in the Lord's Prayer that you've been studying that actually Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We know that we have a citizenship in heaven. We know that that, you know, that will take place, except for the fact that to some extent we still have to be submitted to the rulers of this world. And in every word, every blessing of the age to come is already ours. And yet we wait patiently for that that is to come. It's the overlap. The kingdom is fully here and fully yet to come. And I spent a lot of time this week trying to work out what does God want me to say to the Apex Church? I was very grateful for the ice skating uh, illustration this morning. But in terms of that, I also felt this one word. Uh, So this is the beginning of the week. I just felt God speak to me about being radical. And that is it. It was just one word, one short word. I'm like, God, I can't just stand up there in front of all these people and just say radical. And I said, what what does that look like? What does it mean for, for us? And it just began to speak to me about our position and our identity and knowing who we are and what we're called to. When we, as I said earlier on, when we know what we're called to, we give God all the glory and all the honour and all the power forever and ever. In this world, it's really very difficult to give up control. It's um, difficult to... um, No, people tend to, and Christians as well, tend to fixate on maybe getting bigger, better, getting a little bit more, getting to the top, doing so well in your job that you're at the top of it all, uh, earning more, keeping up with the Joneses, better clothes, climbing the social ladder, getting the latest gadget or the bigger TV or the faster car, the higher spec laptop. Now, before you all go home and feel really condemned, none of those things are wrong. None of them are wrong. It's just that if they become your goal over and above your goal for worshipping Jesus, then I would say, hold on, just take a moment to think about what's going on. Is that more desirable, getting the latest flat screen TV, than actually taking some time out to worship the one that made you and created you? I do love a flat screen TV. I'm not making you feel bad for having one, but... But I'm just asking you to put it into perspective. We know that Jesus gave up all his glory and became like a man. He wasn't born in a palace. We know that. You'll hear about that in a few weeks' time, I'm sure. You'll hear the the 
Can I say the Christmas story? Sorry, I know it's only September, but the school kids have gone back, so legitimately I can say it. Um, and he grew up in, in a reasonably humble life. And yet he was incredibly radical because he left all of his glory, that beautiful relationship that Father, Son and Spirit had together. He left all of that to become man. And he was radical because as a youngster, he learned scripture so well that at age 12, he could argue and have discussions in the temple. That's radical because I don't know how many eight, nine, ten-year-olds do that. I mean, I know we teach them well in the Sunday school, not dissing anything in the Sunday school, <laughs> sorry. And, um, but I don't know many 12-year-olds that could, could have discussions with theologians and keep it out. Many 12-year-olds that would try, though. He was radical you know, enough that when he started his formal ministry, if you like, was prepared to get baptised. Any person in the world that probably didn't need to be baptised, but got baptised. He was radical uh, when he challenged the teachers of the law. He was radical when he healed the sick. He was radical when he loved the unloved. He was radical when he raised the dead. He was radical when he declared your sins are forgiven. So different to anything else being taught. He was radical because he chose to be a servant and to go lower. Because he knew who he was. He knew that he was the son of God. He walked in it. Um, I'm going to try and explain that a little bit more. For those of you that know me uh, a little bit, you'll know that it won't be long before we end up having a conversation about art. I really, really, really like art. Um, So much so that when I was a youngster, all I ever wanted to do was go to art school. And uh, so I went to art school, I did all of that. And if you ask me today and you say, um, Jazz, what do you want to do? I have to fight the urge to say, I just want to go to art school again, because I really enjoyed it. I really like art. Anyway, I wanted to show you this picture. It's a little bit up there. Um, It's a little bit dark as well, I'm sorry. Um, This was painted by the artist, one of my favourite artists, uh, when he was just 14 years old. It's actually called Man with Green Beret. Doesn't it very green up there? Anybody want to have a go and guess who painted this picture. No? No one? Okay, so here are some more of his paintings. Have a go at this one. Picasso, just for those of you that are looking at me going, what? But I suspect that you probably know these paintings much more than you would have known that one. Yeah? So let's have a go with this one. Anybody got any idea who painted this? I mean, it's quite a a dramatic picture. It's got some animals and carts, and I'm not quite sure what the animals are, but, but, you know, it's quite a moody picture. Anybody want to have a go as to who painted that? No, no, but good good go, though. Um, If I did this, does that help? Yeah, Jackson Pollock. So Jackson Pollock painted this one. That was his early work. But his later work <laughs> is this. Okay, let's try one more, one more. Anybody got any idea? There's a little bit of a clue in this one, but um, 
Anybody got any idea? Lady, you know, sitting there at her table. The perspective, sorry? Oh, the cat. Oh, there's a cat. Yes, there is a cat. Yeah, the thing that gives it away is the perspective is slightly out. But if I did this. So, it's Salvador Dali. So, yeah, so the... um, What I'm trying to illustrate by all of that was those are all three great artists. All of them. Famous famous artists who can paint. We know them for their really quirky, weird stuff. That's what what we think is quirky quirky and weird. What we don't often realise is actually that each of those artists that do the quirky, weird stuff can actually paint and draw. They, can, they know how to get their brushes out, how to work with paint. They know that you put the darkest dark to the lightest light. You put your blue next to your orange, your green next to your red. They understand how perspective does work. I'm not sure about Dali, but anyway. Um, understand how to, to see an image before them and then recreate it on canvas or paper or whatever medium they're using. They understand texture and they understand form and they can communicate it. And actually, if you looked at their portfolio of work, and it's not really very difficult to do because it's all on, online, they have got a huge, huge amounts of work which is formally painted or what you would say photographically painted, correctly painted. But it's only an understanding how their medium works and how they communicate on paper, can they begin to push past the boundaries and begin to exploit what they have and create something new? And actually, all of those artists have shaped how I learn art. Their input into the art world had a huge influence in the way art is taught around the world. And they have pushed past all those boundaries to create stuff maybe you like or dislike. And actually, I know you all laughed at Jackson Pollock's paintings, which I actually love. <laughs> but, but if you, I don't know if any of you have ever had the privilege of seeing them, but they fill rooms. They're huge. It's the whole of his body is used to create those paintings. And he put so much energy and effort to making them happen. But he actually, I don't think, could have done that if he couldn't have proven himself in the first instance of actually... I can paint. I'm not taking the mick here. I use that illustration simply because it, it, it helps me. When we know who we are and what we're called to, and when we are able to say, actually, all that I have been given, every gift and every talent and every resource I have been given is the kindness of God. And when I use that, use that to the best of my ability... I'm giving glory back to God. And actually, when I know who I am, I can push. I can push what I've been given. And I can exploit it a little bit in such a way that I bring more glory to God. So if I do happen to earn a lot of money, do you know what? I can be, I don't just have to give my 10%. This is not a sermon on money giving, by the way. I don't have to give my 10%. I can be generous. If I am really, really good at... um, being kind to people, and I'm an encourager. Do you know what? I don't have to hold back. I can just show kindness wherever I go, whether it's on the street, in, you know, in, a, in a shop, or in a car park. But I can be extreme in my kindness. Yes. 
I can be extreme in my mercy. I can be extreme in my encouraging of other people. I can push those things, those gifts that God has put inside of me, I can push them. And you know what? When we excel in the things that God has put inside of us, that brings glory and honor back to Jesus. Absolutely. But also, it demonstrates something very radical to the world in which we live. I I get a little bit um, funny about um, British culture. And uh, because we, we have this thing of going, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. You know, when somebody says, oh, that was really nice, Jazz, well done. Oh, no, no, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And, and I'm like, actually, no, God's given you those talents, but actually you've done it. So you can just, just enjoy it. So I'm just encouraging you to, to, to shake it up a little bit. We're, um, we're all called to be radical. I thought just to help you a little bit more, to illustrate that just a bit more, I've got this little clip. I'm hoping Glenn's teed it all up. Just because, you know, you need a clip. It's all made you laugh, hasn't it? And um, so just stay with me here. The Coke machine knew its purpose. Knew its function. I've got to deliver Coke. And um, except that the Coke machine pushed the boundaries. Can you see what I'm trying to say there? It's a really simple illustration, but it's like, oh, I don't just have to give Coke, I can give more. I can be generous in that. As an evangelist, um, which is how I served the church in Croydon, for those of you that didn't know that, um, we firm, I firmly believe that we should live lives in such a way that it inspires other people. And um, I'm not going to embarrass... Well, I am going to embarrass Mark. I'm really sorry. I'm about to embarrass you. When I walked in, I was chatting to somebody this morning. And I said, oh, we love having Mark here. And um, he's like a magnet. He just draws people. And we all have different gifts and talents. But, that, you know, that's something that, that, that people associate with Mark. But he's a magnet. He draws people. Great person to have as your lead elder, isn't it? <laughs> but... Be the person that God has called you to be. Include people in your world. Because when you know God, you have that incredible security that nothing else can give you. Include people in your world. They want to be in your world. I'm not one for bashing people over the head with the gospel. I don't tend to do that at all. Um, But I do say, hey, come with me. I do. I invite people to absolutely everything that I'm doing. Come with me. Spend some time with them. They'll see how I live. Even when I get it wrong, they will see how I live and how I put it right. But I want to literally take their hand, to put it into the hand of Jesus, who puts it back into the hand of God. And that's literally my goal, by including people into my world. We know this because of the incredible work that Jesus has done for us. What I want to do is really just talk to those of you now that when I shared that illustration right at the beginning, because I know that was a God-given moment, for some of you that would have been like, do you know what, I, I don't want to sit on the spectator seats anymore. I want to go down to the, the rink and put those boots on. I want to know what it is to, to glide 
and to twirl and to spin and to jump in the air. I want to know what it is to excel in the God-given talents that I've been given. I want to know what it is to include people in my world so much so that I can introduce them to Jesus so that they can know a perfect relationship with Father God. And so I'm going to um, ask you to close your eyes because it's one of those God moments. I'm going to ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And as I'm speaking, I'm going to ask for God to lay stuff on your heart. And, uh, and I might even ask for a response at the end. And then after that, I'll explain how we're going to do communion. So you just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, just come. And as you're waiting on God, allow him to minister to you. Allow your Father to reveal to you some of the desires of your heart and the things that you want to do and the areas where you want to excel. Just allow him to minister. And while you've got your eyes closed, I just want to speak to anybody here that you've heard me talk about Jesus this morning, you've seen the worship, but actually you have never said, yes, I want in. I want to know this freedom. I want to be able to worship Jesus to give him glory, honor, and praise. This morning, you can do that. This morning, you can cross that line and say, yeah, I want in. I want to be called a disciple of Jesus. I want to get onto that skating rink, and I want to fly. If that's you, I would just really just, while everybody's got their eyes closed, would you just kindly put your hand up so I can just see, and I'll pray for you. Wow, thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, keep going, guys. It's fine. Thank you. Okay, if you'd um, like to put your hands down. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for every gift and talent and resource that you have lavished upon us. I thank you that we walk in your kindness day in, day out. (laughs) Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you um, help us to take our next steps with you? I thank you for every person that's responded this morning. Father, that you would go deep with them right now. That Holy Spirit, you would seal in their hearts the things that you are saying to them. Thank you for those that have crossed the line of faith. And I ask for your blessing on every single person. Amen. If you put your hand up for the very first time this morning, I don't know, so I don't know everybody here, but if it was a first-time decision for you, can I just say that when you do that, 
that Jesus comes and takes up space in your heart in the most incredible, powerful and real way. And that that can't be taken from you. And afterwards, I'd love to have a chat with you and pray with you and introduce you to the right people who don't actually know who they are, but I'll find out for you. For those of you that um, uh, you felt the Holy Spirit speak to you or minister to you or you just feel God just wants to open a new door for you or is a fresh season for you, we're going to take communion in a minute. And that's just kind of a sign between you and God to uh, say, you know, that's, that's like a, you're consecrating kind of what's happened in your heart. Um, but I would also encourage you, you know, while you're waiting to take communion, to share that with someone. Say, God spoke to me about this. And maybe just get a little bit of prayer for that. And, um, and just have that sealed in. Sometimes it's really important to say, yeah, God's really calling me to serve in the children's work for the next term. And, um, and I feel I need to tell you that, um, uh, just so that I'm accountable. But actually, for some of you, that would be a much bigger deal. Maybe God's asking you to start a coffee morning in your house. I don't know. Maybe that there's opportunity for you to pray for people at work. I don't know. It's between you and God.